Last week, we started a series on what is called Theology of the Body, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But tonight, we'll look at part two, and next week will be part three. Um, but we do need our ladies' intercession because this is uh, very, very dense information. And Mary seems to make things that are very difficult and dense seem light and tangible. So if you could please join me in praying one Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So one thing um, about teaching is reviews help. They help us know what we do know, what we don't know. And last week, I just wanted to do a little review of what I talked about last week because I got, clearly a lot of us weren't here last week. And that's, that's no problem. But I talked about um, God's original plan. It's really important that we know what God's original plan is. And I presented it to you like a piece of paper that was pristine. And through the effects of original sin and the consequences of sin and sin and sin, God's plan for your life and my life has been just crumpled up and it has pretty much began to, to look like, like, like garbage, trash. And Pope John Paul II, when he, came across, when he started teaching on theology of the body in the year 1979, he gave 129 discourses that became this teaching. And he began to show us that this is indeed not trash, and nor are you, and nor is God's plan. And he began to unravel it and show what God's original plan, plan was. And a lot of people began to really understand that God's teaching is incredibly beautiful. But a lot of people have never heard what his original intention was. And this teaching of theology of the body, we talked about last, year, last week, it's meant to trigger you. Because when something that God has planned for your life and my life, from the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, often we can feel empty. And the, the light of God's love is so intense it can make us want to run. And that's not what God wants us to do. So this is actually, anytime you're tempted towards being triggered, uh, especially in a culture that's become so secular as we see today, uh, the invitation is actually for healing. Because something in your life or my life or the lives around us has become broken. But today we're going to look at what it means to be male and female, made in God's image and likeness, in light of theology of the body. And we know that God created Adam like out of the earth, right? And he breathed life into him. And Adam's just as his body is the meeting place that connects his senses in life, in the life of the spirit. But he longs for something more. We know that we heard last week that Adam was there with all the creation of the animals. He named them and he realized there was something lacking. There's something missing in his life. And he thirsts for love, for communion with another person with whom he can form a deeper relationship. And this is an important point in theology of the body because the body reveals the person, right? So for the first time ever, when Adam sees Eve, he says, at last, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, he sees somebody he can actually have a tangible relationship with. So Adam's masculine body reveals his, mas- the ma- his masculine person, often shown through strength. And Eve's fem- feminine body reveals her feminine person shown in warmth and charm 
And further, masculine and feminine bodies show that as persons, we're not meant to be alone. The male body doesn't make any sense apart from the female body. And the female body doesn't make any sense apart from the male body. Have you ever wondered why you have a body? It's kind of a weird question, but Pope John Paul II asks us that question. Why do you have a body? You have a body because it's meant to reveal the the image and likeness of God. And this is why we say that the body is actually a theology. Theology, simply stated, is the study of God, who is love. So theologians, for example, study Scripture because Scripture reveals God. But Scripture is not the only way to find knowledge or come to knowledge about God. We have other sources, and and Pope John Paul II believes the body is actually one of them. And for this reason, there is, in fact, a theology of the body. At the heart of John Paul II's message is this belief that the, the human person reveals the nature of God's love in his body. And this happens most especially in the spousal communion of man and woman, which we heard about last, last week. So human people, human relationships, and human bodies are in a certain sense like sacraments. They reveal the invisible. The invisible is made visible. In Pope John Paul II, he said the body, in fact, and only the body, is capable of making visible what is invisible, the spiritual and the divine. It has been created to transfer into the visible reality of the world, the mystery hidden from eternity in God. So even right now, I can see your bodies. I can read your body language. I know some of you are like, I don't want to be here. Um, I know some of you are engaged. I know some of you are confused right now. I can see your body, our bodies speak even when we don't say anything. They even reveal what we believe about God. And what we don't believe about God. And yet at at times, due to original sin, we can forget that our bodies are a gift from God. Because God speaks mankind into existence. When we look at Genesis, which again, the word means beginning, in chapter 1, 26 and 27, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What does it mean to be male and female as God originally intended before the fall, and again, the fall being original sin? So today, in today's gospel, we get a sneak peek of what things look like after God's original plan. The rich young man begins to despair in his pursuit of holiness because he keeps the rules but he's not in relationship with God. Then he rebels when asked to commit his life fully to God. He literally runs to Jesus, who is God. But he was fooled, like a lot of people in our world, that money would make him happy. Another lie from the evil one. If you want to take something to the bank, here it is. Everything in your life and my life that the devil offers you is always a counterfeit of what God originally planned. Everything that the devil offers you and offers to you is always a counterfeit to the original plan of God, what God originally planned for all eternity. So the rich young man 
despairs in his pursuit of holiness. And Jesus is trying to bring the rich young man, and you and me, by the way, back to original holiness. To live in love. To live in the original plan of God. And in the theology of the body, John Paul II talks about the word male and the word female. In Hebrew, in the original Hebrew, the the word male comes from the word zakar, which means to remember or not to forget, right? Or to bring back together. And the word female comes from the Hebrew negabah, which means to be open and receptive. As we look through the whole history of Scripture from Old Testament all the way to New Testament, wherever man is called to be the covenant representative of God, he's called to remember. That's why when you hear Scripture that says, remember our father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're called not to forget. And they're called to bring that love of God into every single situation that they're in. But when man forgets, the males that is, women never forget anything, right? When the man forgets, the whole culture goes down the tubes. Throughout salvation history, when men get lazy, you see that happen with David when he falls into lustful habits after he should have been fighting on campaign, and he goes after Bathsheba, he lusts after her. He forgets the, he forgets the whole plan, and it hurts other people. Often the wound that men carry around due to not remembering is that they feel deeply inadequate. That is, they don't feel like they have what it takes. And it's primarily due to a lack of fatherhood, being affirmed as a man. So in the depth of every single male here is a deep yearning to be blessed by your dad, by your father. And in that, pl- in that blessing, the words that you desire to hear, and psychologists and theologians and different people all walks of life have, have said these words is what a man desires to hear is the word son. I am so proud of you. I can remember when I heard that from my own dad when I was just getting ready to go to seminary. And, he, and it took until I was 25 years old to get my act together. He puts his hands on my shoulders and he looks me right in the eyes and he says, son, I am so proud of you. I drove 10 hours of seminary, but it felt like I floated there because I didn't know I needed that blessing. I didn't know I needed that to actually know that my dad was proud of me. And I didn't seek people's affirmation in disorder ways nearly as much. And as men, we're in deep need of heroes, people look up to, but not just in the saints. You know, we have St. John Paul II, you might have St. Thomas Aquinas, you might have St. Dominic, different saints you like, but we also need them in the flesh. We need to be saying, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to be like. We need an example of how I can move from this place of fear and cowardice to a place of faith and courage to know that I actually have what it takes to make a difference. So for the gentleman here, who has inspired you to be a saint recently? And women, the ladies here, who has inspired you to be a saint recently? 
there's something in both men and women that responds immediately to that example of joy and holiness. There's nothing more attractive than seeing somebody who's on fire with the love of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that compares to it. And maybe you've read a book about a saint, and that's great. I'm not poo-pooing saints. I love the saints. It's really important. But I would argue our culture is thirsting, if not dying, because people are not witnessing the love of Jesus Christ authentically to offer another way, to offer hope. When I grew up and I was going to college, all I knew was one way, partying, girls, sports. That was it. I didn't know there was another way until I actually saw somebody who was on fire with the gospel. And it actually, I, I, I was confused because I'd never seen anything like that. And also the thing I saw that confused me is that I saw somebody who was young and who was on fire with the gospel. And it offered me hope. And I said, I want that. I want that. And when men, when we are most heroic, we're most like Jesus. We're most sacrificial. We're most sacrificial. And Jesus is, the, is that image when we, when we come to discover that. He is the true witness of authentic love. And when men are presented this soft and fluffy version of Jesus, which I was presented most of my life, we reject it. We reject it because Nobody wants to remember Barney Jesus. This is what I was brought up with. Oh, you just be a good person. You're going to do great and life's going to go on. But I'm like suffering out here, you know, and just, just be like Barney Jesus. I love you. You love me. But I, re- I rejected it. And, but when I was re- presented with the, with the real Jesus, the real Jesus who, who took on my flesh and who fought for me all the way to the point of going to the cross just for me, that love transformed every single thing I do today and still does. Nothing moves me more, especially to the incarnation, the fact that God, the, the God, he became one of us, but also that he went to the cross for me. Like that still blows my mind. And I can't forget that because I have crosses and crucifixes and statues and different people around me to remind me that I'm called to be a man. But what about the women? I didn't forget about you. I hope you can take this gently because women are a mystery to me. I love you, but your hearts are so different than men's hearts. But women are called to communion. And that's, that's their gift. That's what they bring to the table. That's the, the openness, the receptivity that we heard about. And they're called at the service of communion. That's a, a deep abiding relationship. And we see this most clearly in the, in the ultimate disciple, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Her openness is revealed in her yes. Her yes, her fiat. Not the car company, but her yes. But it's, it's, it's a forever yes, right? It's a forever yes. She surrenders her whole life. She's totally open and vulnerable to God, but she asks questions. How can this be? But the Lord says nothing will be impossible for God, right? And the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. However... When men don't step into their role as spiritual servant leaders in the home, in the world, in the classroom, wherever you're at, then there's not freedom for women to foster authentic communion. Men are created with this sense of strength to protect the home and the woman because woman is temple of the Holy Spirit. God abided in Mary's womb. Something a guy can't do, a man can't do. And for the woman, there's an ache in the heart 
to hear from your Father that you are beautiful and that you are worth it and that you're, you're, you're actually really lovely. Yet there's a wound that's almost like a double bind in our culture today for women. It's awful. It's a, it's a wound that you're either too much or you're not enough. And that's such a cross to carry. However, when we live in this, in this broken world that we see, that has profaned primarily woman over and over, as one of my favorite theologians for, for theology bodies, Christopher West, he says, if you want to see that which is most holy, look to that which is most profaned. The crescendo, the, the apex of what God created, the last thing he created was woman. Satan hates women because they are the last and most beautiful creature God ever created. Yet, when we look to that which is most holy and that which is most profaned, it's definitely women in our world today. And men, if there's anything, a need for anything in our world today, it's for us as men to start treasuring women as God's greatest creation and to stop hurting women with our words or our lack of words or our actions or our lack of actions. So as men, we're called to remember that women are able to offer deeper communion. Yet the opposite seems to point a lot of us to being like the rich young man. We just want to be rule keepers, right? But never enter into relationship. And then we automatically rebel against God. But we realize from all eternity, it's been about relationship. There's actually hope there because that's God's original intention. And thankfully, there's good news like really, really good news, is that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all about renewing things, even for those who doubt there is any hope for them sitting here tonight. And if that's you, again, it's not a mistake that you're here. Listen closely to the words of Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, the God who took on your flesh and my flesh, who died for you and me. He says this about renewing you and giving you hope. He says, Behold, I make all things new. And because Jesus is God, and as we heard in our gospel today, nothing is impossible for God, he can bring you and I back to original holiness. Back to the garden before original sin. When I encountered this teaching of theology of the body, I felt as I was drinking from a fountain of new wine. This teaching is meant to be a healing balm for your soul, for your mind, for your body. And I knew it would be hard to encounter this teaching because when I looked at my past, all I could see is all the mistakes I've made. Maybe you've been there before. But I I began to believe through this teaching that Jesus loves me too much to leave me back there. He actually wanted to bring me somewhere new. He loved me too much to leave me where I was. And my prayer is that you receive this beautiful teaching And you're able to bring it into your Bible studies. You're able to bring it into your small groups, to your prayer teams, to your dinner conversations, to ask for freedom, that is deliverance, from all these thoughts of despair and hopelessness that bombard us when it comes to being totally redeemed and healed in Christ Jesus. The last thing I have for you is 
just one word of advice is, is remember that this is not going to happen overnight. It's important to be patient. We read, we read in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. Sometimes because of original sin, we think that God doesn't care because he's patient. No, he actually cares for you so much. That's why he's patient. And God is the perfect lover. You and I are created for perfect love. We hear in 1 John 4, 9, perfect love casts out all fear. Can you imagine living a life fearlessly? That's the invitation that's before us. And he will not, he will not give you more than you can handle. And he will always provide a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that. With God, with Jesus, there is always a way out. For most of us right now, he wants us to simply take a deep breath. So would you please? And he simply just wants to start walking with us by faith, but not by sight. Because if you look around, it doesn't look too good. And he wants us to let the light of truth in. To shine on our experiences of shame and guilt. And he wants to meet you there. And free you there. And that doesn't come easily because of the deep pain and heartache you and I have experienced in this thing called life. And the deep pain and heartache we've also caused others. What I'd like to do is just end with a brief prayer to help you on this journey. And you don't have to pray it out loud. You can just repeat it in the silence of your heart. And this is the prayer. And if you have a faith the size of a mustard seed, I encourage you to use that right now. Father, I invite you into every no I ever said to you. Please redeem every experience of my past where I closed myself off to you. And please pour your son Jesus' precious blood there and fill that experience with your Holy Spirit. Please help me daily to entrust my future to your care and nothing else. Please restore and heal every person that I hurt, rejected, or was not fully present to, or was totally cold towards. I give you complete permission, Lord Jesus, to redeem everything in my life. May my yes to you, Father, become as transformative for your kingdom as Mary's yes. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.